When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Christy, we agree with you, but here at PHOI Phillies Podcast, we're slowly licking our wounds, trying to find closure, trying to figure out how to right the wrongs and feel better. But uh, welcome in, guys. Renee Washington, Tyler Zuli joining me, sitting in for Jamie Lynch today, and we're going to be able to unpack the postseason because there's a lot. And after the game in our postgame show was like the initial reactions, it feels like our show yesterday was kind of like the hangover reactions, and today's, you know, we've had a full 24 hours plus that we can breathe, try to figure out where we are okay with things and also figure out now, okay, looking ahead and looking back, I should say first, what we liked, what we didn't like. So Tyler, are you feeling any better today? Yeah, you know, you mentioned the hangover, right? The the first day sucks. The the hangover itself is is miserable. The next day, I don't know if you get the two-day hangover, but I definitely (laughs) do at this point in my old, ripe old age of almost 30. I definitely Um, get that. The second day, you're like, I feel better but there's still that weird like feeling in the pit of your stomach. You still got a little bit of a headache and, and that's kind of where I'm at now where I've, I've, I'm, I have more clarity. I'm more sane than I was yesterday. I'm not ready to, to fight somebody randomly, mm. but I'm more, I'm more sane today, but it's not, it's not a hundred percent. You know, it is sadly very similar to an alcohol hangover. <laughs> uh, whenever I like the very next day, yep. I, I don't eat anything. I always say if I ever, feel like I need to go on a diet, which I don't. I'm not saying I do. If I ever need a diet, I will just drink alcohol because the next, like, 24 hours, I can't eat. I don't really want to get out of bed. I'm not really motivated to do anything. Do you want to make and yourself the, doubly miserable? And then the day after that, well, then I would be a great way to diet, selfishly, because I just starve <laughs> myself, apparently. And then the day after that, like, my appetite's coming back. I feel like I can see again. I'm, like, slowly moving a little bit more. Yep. That is exactly how it feels, you know, you, in this situation as you, well. You think about the gym. You're not going to go, right, but you think right. about the gym. Like, today, I did go to the gym. You I was could. like, okay, I'm back right. I'm back into my routine slowly but it is exactly like a sports hangover is just like an alcohol oh, hangover is, or any other sure. hangover um that you are like slowly easing back in and then it's that like moment of is this real did this really happen did I dream this you know yeah. pinch me is it gonna change um and no it's not going to change it was very much real so welcome in Eugene Krabs yes we've got brother Tyler I here showing no us the light you. no light <laughs> I, I mean I'll, I'll give you light in March it probably won't be that long, but I, I, I got a, I got nothing. For I have you right a sad now. question to ask. Okay. So 
So what do we hashtag now? Like, are we just back to ring the bell? Hashtag. Because I'm like. Life is pain. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag there's always next year. Hashtag at least we're not the Tigers. Yeah, I just find myself. That's tweet- what I got I find for myself you. tweeting about the Phillies, and I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I always like to add a little baseball emoji, yeah. and I'm like, but what? Red October. Red October. I'm I like, put that in every one of our blue captions. O- everything. And now I don't, know what, I don't know what to do. I literally am like, today, even when I was tweeting out the show, I'm like, hashtag go oh, birds. Hashtag oh no. Yeah. Hashtag, hashtag go birds. Hashtag yeah. Hashtag dupe. That's what I got. And and the Sixers are about to put us through another season uh, of misery. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Wait, no. This is a baseball show. Let me let me. This should have been a World <laughs> Series preview show. I agree with you, Spiral Out. We absolutely should be talking about the World Series, but instead we're talking about what hashtag do we use because it's not Red October anymore. It's now a very it's it's, it's spooky season. Um, it's it's horror season it's tough um that hurts christy we will get into taiwan walker because we do have to talk about taiwan walker as the only player that was not used in the playoffs philly jrb uh yeah it's tough it's a tough time to live in arizona i feel like most times you get to brag when you live in arizona this time uh unfortunately not so much they're actually riding the hot wave now did you see it game three four and five all sold out in arizona they were like seven dollars to buy a ticket it's almost like we taught them like you know, they, they weren't going to let it happen twice. I guess I give them credit for that. They weren't going to let that nonsense happen again. I mean, listen, what Philly fans did to them, <laughs> like I, I would be in, I would be embarrassed. And then to come back and win this series, like that team, I give the Diamondbacks so much credit. Yeah, I don't want to, but I have to you because have to. you had all of these steps along the way. You go down to nothing. Philly fans are buying seats to just have empty seats in your stadium. You're down 3-2 coming back into this hostile environment where the Phillies have not lost all postseason. And to come back and win game six and win game seven to go to the World Series, like, I got nothing else to do except to the yeah. Diamondbacks. Like, that's good for you guys. That's that's what I've got at this point. I'm, it's, that doesn't make me feel any better. No. But that's I, I have to give credit where it's due. Was it petty of Philly fans oh, to absolutely. buy tickets? Without a doubt. 100%. Was it creative? Also without a doubt. I, I mean, it. it was very unique. I don't know that I've ever seen um, anybody do that in the postseason and not go to the game. You're just buying right. them. Usually you're buying them it's because you want it to be all Phillies fans, but yep. now you're buying them just to be able to have empty seats. And then I also have to tip my hat to the fact I did say on the show that they weren't going to come back the way that they lost the way they were down 2-0 mentally and physically it's hard to come back from that but it is hard to come back from that if the other team that's winning in this case the Phillies goes on and does what they're supposed to do nobody expects the Phillies to then now completely shit the bed and play terribly so unpopular opinion I agree with you Chrissy I can't hate them because essentially the Phillies Deserve a lot of the blame. I know, Spiral, you're saying Topper deserves the most blame. There are a lot of people across the Phillies club that deserve the blame. And so we all, myself included, uh, were talking about on the show, up 2-0, winning 10-0, momentum, you crushed them, it was deflating. But unfortunately, most leads in any sport um, that has runs or goals, a 2-0 lead is very dangerous. I know we talk about it in soccer. It's the same thing in yep. in this case for a series. A 2-0 lead is dangerous because you find yourself feeling complacent. You take your foot off the gas. You think you've won it, and it's far from over. And unfortunately for the Phillies, the Diamondbacks were able to lick their wounds, regroup, and come back. And yeah. Yeah, I, th- off to them I, think, on that. I think you're right. Like, it's an understatement. Maybe it's a little bit of an overstatement, I guess, to say, you know, it, it, cliche, whatever you want to say about yeah. the, the, the two goal lead being a dangerous spot. It is dangerous. Ne- next goal is the most important mm-hmm. goal. Like, 
Thanks. Next run's the most important. No, really? Next run's the most important run? Next out's the most important? They're all cliche. They're all silly to That's say. Super but super accurate. But they do hold water because if you go up 2 nothing, you have an opportunity, even with three games in Arizona, and the 2-3-2 two, two thing, you can argue it until you're blue in the face. Mm-hmm. It's not going to change. You could argue it that you have a chance to, to put your foot down, cement yeah. this lead. Even if you lose game three, you lose game three. You're up 2-1. You have a chance to win game four. You lose game four the way that you do. Mm-hmm. There were so many steps along the way that when we are going to start to be able to look back on this and we start to be able to do it objectively as opposed right. to with emotion and bias you know, in our hearts mm-hmm. and in our, our thoughts, um, you're going to start to pinpoint these things along the way. And it takes me back to like game four against the Raptors with the Sixers. It takes oh. me back to like you could talk about the Kawhi shot all you want. Shouldn't you could talk about that point. You shouldn't have gotten to that point. You blew a game four. You could talk about losing game seven, the yep. Celtics last season, but Jason Tatum couldn't have hit water if he fell out mm-hmm. of the boat in game six, and you lose that game. So, like, there are these steps along the way, these incremental steps right. that build up, and you guys were talking about the snowball effect yesterday. There were things that snowballed, and, and you let them get out of control, and in, instead of cementing a 3-1 series lead or maybe even a 3-0 series lead, you come back 3-2, and even with that loss of control, you still feel like you're on, on top of things, right. and you lose two at home. Right snowballs snowballs that gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and all of a sudden you've got an avalanche bingo and i know uh philly jrb you're saying in the chat that you know the star players not producing is what cost the phillies even more but it didn't just start in game seven and it's exactly to your point i typically do not blame the final play the final shot the final decision because you shouldn't even put yourselves in a position to have to rely on it being a game seven victory the Phillies had all opportunity to close out I predicted and if it had gone this way I still think they would have won the series I didn't think they I thought they were going to lose game three because it's just it's it's hard to sweep any team in any sport, in any league, at any level. It's very tough to beat a team three, four times in a row. Yep. So I did think that coming off of two very high emotional wins at home that the Phillies were going to drop game three. But then I thought they were going to win game four. And had you won game four, what happens is the Diamondbacks, they win game three. They're feeling good about themselves. They cut the gap. And then it's deflating to go out and win game four and hold them at bay again and have that two-win lead. And for Arizona to then still have to come back, and now they've got to win. They've got to win out. They've yep. got to win three straight, which is incredibly tough to do. But they won two. You beat, Phillies beat them, and they come back and win two. That's more manageable, that you can have it in increments of one game at a time versus if you're up 3-1. So, yeah, I definitely think that the snowball effect is what absolutely ultimately cost the Phillies. But along the way, you look at games three, games four. I know we talk about Greg Kimbrell. Craig right. Kimbrell. This is like I don't the, know if that was on purpose or not, but it's kind of witty if it was on purpose. This Chris. is like the part you watch Parks and Rec. I do. So, you know, Jerry, yeah. Gary, oh my they, gosh, they, yes. they name them like seven different names. I think this is where we're getting with Craig Kimbrell. It's like everything, everything but Craig. except for Craig. <laughs> Greg, Craig, uh, Dreg, Frag, whatever you want to call him. Former Phillies um, pitcher, Craig Kimbrell. I can't yeah. wait to call him that. Oh. That's what I'm most excited to call him. I know. His former Phillies pitcher. And Hall of Famer. Like I'm, sure. You know what I mean? Still Hall of Fame pitcher, Craig Kimbrell. But yeah. I'm looking forward to calling him former Philly, Craig Kimbrell, instead yeah. of, you know, Phillies because he High was a big part of the closer. snowball effect. I mean, he was like the one that pushed the snowball even further yep. down the hill and uh, really allowed for the Diamondbacks to 
be feeling themselves a little bit sure. more. You had them. So not only was it the issues in the bullpen, because yes, we all know that, but on the other side, there were a lot of offensive woes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, you're ironically, you're the better Nick. Clearly, Nick DeCristo, you're the better Nick. We like you, Nick. Um, Nick Cassianos, you're saying, can go. He's way too hot and cold. Um, he's, he's given uh, hot pockets. It's it's cold frozen one minute. It's hot cooked the next minute. Do you remember hot pockets? That, that, you're bringing back bad memories. <laughs> you don't like hot pockets? No, I loved hot pockets, but the problem was you'd put it in the microwave oh. and it would either be molten lava this is or Nick still Cassianos. frozen. I think. And, but the, exactly, because you would like you would split it open. I don't know if you cut yours and or just middle, bit into it like no, a psychopath. No, I would always just bite into it. Um, <laughs> You didn't know what you were biting into until you, you bit into the hot pocket. And the outside was usually the hottest, and the inside yep. was cold. And you think it's hot, and then all of a sudden you get to the middle, and it's cold, and you have to warm it up again. That was Nick Cassianos. Yep. He's a hot pocket. A microwavable <laughs> hot pocket. Guys, we figured it out. That's his uh, new nickname, hot pocket. That's hot hysterical. pocket. Ding. Uh, Eugene Krabs is saying that he got way too cocky for such a streaky hitter. He is very streaky. I know Rob Thompson was talking about post-game. I still don't like this comment, so I'm going to say it again, even though I said it yesterday in the show also. Of uh, That's Nick. That's, you know, sometimes he's he's smashing home runs. Sometimes he can't hit the ball. That's just Nick. And, you know, basically we just have to deal with it. And yeah. I, I cannot stand that because much like Hot Pockets, you don't just have to deal with it. There's always a better way to cook it. There's always a better way to coach him. There's always a better way to manage Nick Castellano. So we're not getting the frozen to, to burning your mouth types of back and forth. Yeah, I, there should be a steady base level for Nick Castellanos. I might be in the minority with this conversation. Oh and, boy. And I know that we're going to talk about like roster construction throughout the entirety of the offseason because we got a long couple of months ahead of us. I think the way that this roster is built with Nick Castellanos being one of the catalysts, I don't have any issue with the way that I, I think the nonchalant way that Rob Thompson went about it after losing a game seven is what is irking people a lot and the, Me, the, the, people. the comments themselves I think that he he has merit to what he's saying Nick Castellanos is a streaky hitter Kyle Schwarber is a streaky hitter Trey Turner had moments of of like higher power divine intervention and then he you know decided that he was gonna swing it slider out of the hand you know for three straight games the 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 comments themselves I do think hold water I just think the way that the, a the way you went about it and it's like time and place the way you went Bingo. about it and where you KYP. went about it that's yeah exactly <laughs> that's what frustrated people because we watched this team now for two straight years their their identity is what their identity is they don't deviate from that identity and they win a lot of games with that identity and they drive you crazy with that identity it just unfortunately manifested itself at the exact wrong time for this that you know for this postseason yeah end. and what makes it worse is it's the same issues that we've seen. Every loss in the postseason was the exact same. It was identical yeah, issues. Fair. And even last year, you could say it was identical issues in, in the you World no Series. Hit, you got no hit in the World where Series. It was, it, bingo. No hits. And you can't have a 7-0 and then you turn around and you get held scoreless. I, I mean, it. it's no, just, I understand. The back and forth is is not okay. Spiral out is continuing our Hot Pocket comparison, saying the key is turning down the power on the microwave. It cooks better. I don't know just how to like do that. Nick, well, you, I don't need either, <laughs> There's actually, a button but for there it. is a button for it. it says but I think the point is, I like the point that you're making. Like, maybe you turn the power down and just focus on making some contact. I mean, I, I just Never think overall, <laughs> I think overall this, like, home runner bus mentality has come back to bite this team now two seasons in a row. And so I, that's what frustrates me the most about Rob Thompson's comments is the nonchalant way of, that's baseball. Sometimes you're hitting. Sometimes you're not. That's Nick. Versus taking accountability. I, I just, accountability to me is everything. Intensity is everything. 
I love all the intangibles, the leadership. I've literally talked about that on the show every single episode because I can't stand it. I can't stand the lack of leadership and accountability of we got outplayed. We have to do better. I would love for him to say that's two years in a row where we had the same types of issues. We need to adjust this in the offseason, and we will. Because now I feel a little bit more positive going into it. Whereas Rob's Tom- Rob Thompson's comments now make me think they don't see the issue. It's kind of like, it's not me, it's you. No, it's you. It's fully <laughs> you. And I don't feel like the Phillies fully see the issue. And so they're continuing to say, like, ah, next time. Oh, we're not worried about it. We're not even after game six. Why would I? People keep asking me how I am. I'm fine. Why would I be any different? I don't know. You're going into a game seven, Rob. You have one game left that's a must-win game. Maybe give us a little bit more. So I understand them trying to always be calm, cool, and collected and try not to show any emotion. We're fine. Everything's fine. This is fine. But like the burning building in that gift, it's not always fine. And it's okay to say that in a politically correct way. Yeah, I know that you you are much more into how the comments get, not even just how the comments get said. Where the com, uh, you know, time and place, KYP, like you said, I, I, I don't want to disagree. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Disagree. On that, okay. no, no, no. I, I'm going to <laughs> to an extent. I don't disagree with you on that front where it, it's a, a time and place thing. I, and I'm what I'm about to say is going to sound so hypocritical because I hate when people say this. Like I hate the, you know, if, oh you, if you stripped the the how it happened away and you looked back at the season and said, well, if you would have given me in April that they were going to go back to the end, shut up. I, I don't care. Yeah, I don't but know. using that same logic, I think that there you you could twist it in a way to say I was comfortable with the way that this team operated itself in the highs and the lows mm-hmm. because of the fact that over the last two seasons they've won ninety games. They won ninety games this year. They've Came up just a little bit short of 90 last year. They've beaten a 100-win team in back-to-back playoff campaigns. They went to the World Series last year. They were a game short of the World Series this year. None of that is solace to the fact that how this series ended. What I'm trying to get at in this like long-winded um, tirade, if you will, maybe <laughs> I'm trying to talk myself out of, of being sad. What I'm trying to get at here is you live by the sword and you die by the sword. And they unfortunately went into a sword fight in games. Well, pause. They went into a fight <laughs> in game six. You had me, then you lost me. In game six and seven with like, uh, like without the sword in their sheath. Like they, they yeah. went, they tried to, they tried to fist fight somebody who was yeah. carrying a sword. Is what you I'm bought a, to you bought it's a, a knife really, to a gun, uh, really a bad, to a exactly, really bad analogy. But my <laughs> point is they lived by the sword for a, bulk of well, for all of this the wild card for a bulk of the ds and they died by it in game six and seven i would understand that if it was just one game i don't understand that with it being four games uh, that's my issue and even the game that they lost to the braves was the same thing you know i don't love the fact that you're losing the same way because the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results and to continue to i, I i'm all for you stand by what's your best method of winning home runs sure mm. but what is plan b what happens when the home runs <laughs> we know they, they always talk about getting punched in the face they re, they re, they rebound. dodge a punch stop getting 
punched in the face then. You don't always have to get punched in the face. Wasn't it's it like, wasn't it Rocky who just kept taking punches uh, yeah. over and over and again? At some point you can adjust maybe he, how he you're taking Rocky too. You can also adjust how you're taking punches. Maybe That's you're true. rope-a-doping. You're That's not getting punched true. in the face. You're rope-a-dope a little bit if we want to talk about it. There's a way to adjust and, and tweak things. And I know in the chat you guys are talking about a number of things from dancing on my own being dead. It's dead. now over and over again by Nelly and Tim McGraw <laughs> over and over. That's a good song. That's a good song. Um Earlier in the chat, uh, Coach, I, if you can scroll up a little bit, I just want to see. Oh, it was Nick again who was saying the usage of Kimbrel was very similar to Manuel's usage of Lidge in, in 2009. Um, and then also I know, Scott, you're talking about this team having a lot of similarities to the Sixers. That level of mistrust is definitely there. Because I, I think the Sixers, much like the Phillies, unlike the Eagles, don't know how to make adjustments or don't make adjustments. Maybe they know how. They just don't do it. Uh, but please, not uh, Nick Nurse. Please, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping I'm this is a change. You. So yeah, begging. I mean, it's it's frustrating because we're gonna have different opinions on this. I'm mm. very much of the mindset that you don't have to keep getting punched in the face. You don't have to continue sure. to do the same thing over and over again, lose by it, and then just say, well, that's how we play, and it didn't work out today. Because would you rather tweak it and try to win and take that risk of winning? Or just continue doing the same thing when it's not working. Arizona made adjustments. It worked out. Sometimes adjustments don't work out. I sure. will say that. I fully understand that is the risk of sports. You don't know. You might make an adjustment. It doesn't pan out. You lose by it. But you at least can say you tried. I'm more of the type of try it. And if it doesn't work out, at least you gave your best bet versus continuing to do the same square in a circle analogy. A square is not going to fit in a circle. So right. I can't keep doing that over and over again expecting it to fit. Maybe I try something different, and if it doesn't work out, at least I tried. Is it is it fair for me to say that I 100% wholeheartedly understand where your thought process is coming from, and I can still disagree with it? Absolutely. Like, that's that's where I'm at because yeah. I, I'm, I'm not – Like small I'm, ball I'm to me would have been a great way to at least keep things – keep innings alive, get hits, get on base. So I love oh, the fact that it's a home run team. The small ball, but the I, Trey Turner. That's to me what, the, what needs to be changed. I mean, you're – you're talking like what they're saying post game. I think what irritates me the most is it is exactly what we know. Like I already can tell before Rob even answers a question or Nick answers a question, or whoever answers a question, what they're going to say, because this team continues to just have the same types of responses to everything sure. versus saying, you know what, maybe we should have did better in situational pitching. We should have did better in, with small ball, which like something. So it's just always this, everything will be fine. This is fine. And Ooh. it's not always fine. I but, hate that. I hate that comment because Eugene oh, Krabs, no. it's closer to true Ooh, than it's that's not. Actually, that's not a. That's not to, great. I mean, Eugene. They're, 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 the thing is, with the Bills are a better regular season team. The Phillies are a better postseason team than the Bills, and obviously, it's different with the one game. But, but they still haven't gotten to the. They it, still haven't gotten the final championship like the Bills haven't. It's a comparable team. Compa I mean, yeah. if you're going to cross leagues, it's it's comparable. Yeah, for those of you listening on podcast platforms, Eugene Krabs just dropped. That's just like it's an eerie comment, but it's 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 very similar that the Phillies are on the same path yeah. as the Buffalo Bills of the past few years, where the Bills continue to be a top team in the NFL, get to the postseason on our one one play away from at least getting to the Super Bowl. But either way, they still haven't won a, a championship, just yeah. like the Phillies haven't won the last couple of years. So I'm hoping that's not the case, Eugene. But hello, Barbara. Um, they did try the small ball with Trey. I mean, I just... Uh, so here's the thing with, with the Trey Turner bunt situation. I'm glad they... I'm glad Rojas squared up for a second time. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people sit here and say that you're admitting defeat if your, your $300 million man is bunting. My thought process in that particular scenario is 
the only thing that matters is pushing across a run. Because mm-hmm. if you go into, what was it, the, the seventh, heading into the seventh, or, or whatever it was, if you go into a late stage yeah. inning with a tie ball game, your mindset's entirely different. Now, that doesn't mean, we talked about a lot at the beginning of the, of the, the series, well, the Phillies have the bullpen advantage. Factually, that's not correct. We've learned that to be true, that that is just Sadly, simply not they correct. They should have had the bullpen advantage, be- but they did not. The Diamondbacks' bullpen was elite, and they have been all postseason. Yeah. But I'll take my chances tied, knowing that you are not having to try to scratch out that run. And if your bullpen falters down the stretch, if Alvarado gives up that you know that insurance right. run that he gives up and it's 5-4 sure. instead of you know 5-3, it is what it is. But I, I can... Feel comfortable going to my leverage guys, my Alvarado, my Hoffman, and of course, in this case, your Wheeler, where you know you you got five outs out of a guy who mm-hmm. wasn't scheduled to pitch. I can take my chances and live with that going into the late stages of the game, knowing, all right, it's time to go up against it's it's your best versus their best. And if they have to use Gingold, Thompson, Seawald, you know, if they got to use those guys and then get to Gallon eventually or whomever yeah. it might be. I can live with that scenario. The bunt, the bunt in that situation, I'm, 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 it's one of the few things that I'm questioning Rob Thompson on, and I don't know if it was Rob Thompson. I don't know if it was Kevin Long. I don't know if it was Trey Turner himself. I would have dropped the bunt down on with, with one strike. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot to question because it just there's, – there's plays that you look at in Game 7, of course. <clears throat> shouldn't even have been at Game 7, but there are plays that you look at in Game 7 that it's like, who made this decision? Was it the right decision? I – when I hear them talk about fighting um, and the, the hard f- fights that they showed, don't feel like to me that was a game of fight. Um, but maybe like, my definition of fight is different th- than from theirs. I don't know. But one thing that you don't have to worry about questioning, it's Hero Bread because they always have delicious, nutritious um, options for you. Now, Hero Bread provides you with chances to eat well, eat delicious, and you can also save money while you're doing it. They've got some soft, fluffy bread. It's high fiber, ultra low net carbs, zero gram sugar per slice. And it's everything from your sliced bread to tortillas to buns. And on Hero.com, as you're purchasing them, you can also now take advantage of this opportunity to use the code PHLY. You can get 10% off of your first order. And over at Hero.co, excuse me, use that code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. Again, 10% discount I've tried their bread. It's very delicious. It's great for sandwiches or a wrap, whatever it is you're looking to do. So it honestly fits breakfast, lunch, or dinner to have a delicious alternative to your usual bread and tortillas and buns that you may buy. So I know we've talked a lot about the bullpen specifically. Hypothetical man, you're saying that the Phillies should have traded for a closer when they were when there were guys available. Well, on the other side, we did see Arizona make some moves throughout the season, throughout, you know, even before the season that helped tremendously with their bullpen. Uh, one of those moves, Paul Seawald. Yep. And looking at the offensive woes, I know we've talked a lot about the fact that with runners in scoring position, one for 10 in game seven, but not great all series, actually not great all season for the Phillies, but also just the inability to hit. New? But a, a big part of that is a testament that I guess you can give to Paul Seawald, Ryan Thompson, and and the bullpen for yeah. the Diamondbacks, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, Seawald, Thompson, Ginkle. Those three names are going to be burned into my brain for at a, lo- a good long time, if not for the rest of my Aye. life. Because my brain is just a mush of, like, stupid information. <laughs> like, I probably couldn't tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I will always remember that the Arizona Diamondbacks acquire, acquired Paul Seawald at the trade deadline in the 2023 Painful. season. 
And and here's the thing with Seawald. Like if you look at his numbers in Seattle, he wasn't he wasn't great. He was okay. Um, but he was up in, I think he was in a low four situation in, in Seattle. They acquire him and he's been lights out since. Um, and coach, if you don't mind uh, dropping our, our Paul Seawall graphic, just to give you an example of, of how good he's been. And, and we have a bullpen one as well. I mean, he pitched, he's eight innings, six saves. Like he's their closer, right? They, they, they don't deviate from him being their closer. He hasn't given up a run. He's given up three hits. He's walked one guy and, and uh, it's 11 strikeouts. So the, we've talked about Paul Seawall a lot on this show because when you think of closers nowadays, Renee, you think of 98, mm-hmm. Jose Alvarado throwing mm-hmm. 100. You think of filthy stuff, right? Wipeout slider, devastating changeup. You think of whoever it might, you know, whatever whatever closer comes to mind when you think of elite closer, they have that pitch. Yeah. Paul Seawald throws 92, throws 93. He throws up in the zone. He doesn't have a deceptive release point. He doesn't have a hide-the-ball type of windup, right? It's mm-hmm. not like he's not turning his, he's not Johnny Cueto with the, the rock, the cradle, and he's not hiding it behind his leg or whatever it might be. He's pretty deliberate to the plate. Yeah. But the one thing that we've seen with him over the course of this series specifically, as we've gotten a, a much closer chance to look at him and he'll be on display um, in the world series against the Rangers. Th- he's got such late movement. On a four-seam fastball. they call, Well, let me rephrase it. They call it a four-seam fastball. Mm-hmm. I refuse to believe that that's a four-seam fastball. It's got movement. <laughs> it's got, it's got, you know, four-seam fastball has that reverse trajectory pushes it. It looks like it pushes it up. You know, they defies gravity a little bit. Right. But he truly has movement on a four-seam fastball, and it moves late. Him and Ginkle has late movement on that slider, and Thompson's got that funky arm slot. And you've got three guys that became unhittable in the postseason yep. and kind of doomed the Phillies, you know, bats. Now, granted, they hurt themselves by, you know, swinging out of pocket, basically. But I have to give a lot of credit to this Diamondbacks bullpen. Seawald's been awesome all, all postseason. Ginkle was probably their best pitcher outside of, well, gosh, I hate I hate what I'm about to say. Oh, no. Outside of Brandon Fott. <laughs> and, you know, and, and Ryan Thompson's got that funky stuff. Those yeah. numbers are, are they're, they're disgusting, Renee. I mean, Ooh. there's no other way to put it, like, Again, this is the second time today I'm going to hat tip. They have a sub one ERA as a group in the postseason. Man, oh man. And that's how you have a closer. Uh, listen, you have you have Thompson, Ginkle, and Seawald delivering these numbers yep. where they gave up just one run um, that was off the, the pitch of Ryan Thompson. So you want to talk about not having a drop-off, consistency, you know, being able to count on next player up mentality mm-hmm. and whoever's name is called is going to help deliver. How about those numbers? I mean, zeros in runs. Most important stat, you're not giving up runs. So, yes, we, we've we talked a lot about it. I know you guys in the chat are talking about Craig Kimbrell and Orion and, you know, different pitchers um, that as they've stepped in, into big roles, haven't been able to deliver. And to be honest, as much as we hate to admit it, the Diamondbacks bullpen was better. It just, it's what it comes down to. Oh, it was. And, and you know, it's funny. I look back at the guys that the Diamondbacks used in high leverage situations. The one guy, because we talked about adjustments and clearly their bullpen adjustment was, listen, if you're a productive hitter on this Phillies team, and that namely is, you know, Bryce Harper, Mm -hmm. Schwarber had a really good series. Mm -hmm. Nick Castellanos, your JT Romuto. We're not throwing you anything to hit. Right. You can get yourself out or we'll start to attack you when it's 3-1. Mm-hmm. And, and and even when they were attacking, quote, in 3-1, it was outer half. It was outer third. Right. And the one guy that they 
that the Phillies did a good job of not chasing was the one guy that I thought was going to like screw them into the ground was Saul Frank. Yeah. You know, left, yeah. lefty with a he, he, a lefty who throws from the left side of the mound with a gross wipeout curveball who doesn't throw it for strikes, but this team doesn't care. They swing mm-hmm. at everything. They were really selective against Saul Frank. Right. Like he had like four walks and two appearances or five walks and two <clears> appearances. <throat> so I don't understand the difference in pitch selection against him where they were they they, they made him beat them and and quite frankly he didn't beat them to the other three guys that we just mentioned where again the wipeout slider from Ginkle is is unhittable Seawalt stuff has movement but if they're not throwing in the zone you've allowed yourself to get out yeah in that at bat yeah I mean again I'm tipping the cap to the to the Diamondbacks bullpen but the one guy that I thought they'd struggle with they didn't I don't get it well, here's perspective for you. So as we're talking about Seawald, Ginkle, and Thompson, not only were they exceptional, sadly, against the Phillies, but in all of their postseason games that they've pitched in, they've given up a total of three runs. Yep. And actually, all three of those runs were off of Ryan Thompson. Craig Kimbrell, on the other hand, Who? gave up three runs alone in game four in the 6-5 loss. So perspective, you have... Closer, Hall of Famer, Craig Kimbrell coming in, who gave up a total of six, excuse me, four runs in the entire postseason. All four of those were to the Diamondbacks, though, of course, because uh, three against them in game four, one against them, a very crucial one in that 2-1 loss. All of them are crucial uh, in game three. So you have, it's a complete switch. And I think that's where I struggle with the fact that this bullpen for the Phillies, we've talked about them having depth. Yet when it comes down to it, they weren't pit. They weren't the rotation. I don't, I don't know if it was the rotation. I don't know if it was just them in general not being ready. I have no idea why. But when the moment was biggest, our the bullpen was not good. If if you or I had answers as to why, <laughs> um, I wouldn't be sitting in this seat. I enjoy Me working neither. with you immensely. I enjoy working <laughs> with Coach immensely. If I had answers to any of those questions that you just provided, I would be. On the Phillies pitching staff yeah. as as a, a consultant of some kind, mm-hmm. uh, because I would I would have more answers for you than I do right now. Yeah, I am. Again, we talked about the you know live by the sword, die by the sword, and I, that gives you a lot of clarity, yeah. but it doesn't take away everything. Like I have I have like fifty percent clarity <laughs> into how this series happened, and maybe I hope in time I get more. Because otherwise, I'm just going to be screaming into the ether like the old man yelling at clouds. <laughs> but I, I, I don't have I don't have good answers for you right now. No, no. I know you guys in the chat. Make sure you're hitting that like button. You're joining the conversation. Comment with your thoughts. Um, I know, Nick, you're saying you'll be thankful to ha- not have to watch Kimbrel intentionally balk a guy to third anymore. Chris, you're saying too many guys in the pen that self-destructed. Absolutely. We are looking at you as well. Sorry, Anthony Alvarado and Kimbrel. Well, Alvarado, I don't know. Kimbrel, but Alvarado did struggle in game seven. Uh, Barbara. Good point, Moreno, as a far better catcher and handler of pitchers. Well, we did talk about JT with some questionable decisions. Yeah, I think that that's a 50-50 comment where I I, I have been really on JT <clears throat> the entire time he's been here, especially yeah. with Aaron Nola specifically. Um, I don't think JT Ramuto calls a very good game. And I don't know if that's entirely yeah. on him. I don't know if it's on Caleb Cotham. That's I don't the thing, know if it's I don't know. I don't know what the, the, the marriage is between those three guys. Yeah. But however, the... The, the pitch sequencing gets relayed yeah. to the, 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 the staff. I don't think JT does a great job of it. 
We know he's great with pop time. Mm -hmm. He does a pretty decent job of keeping the ball in front of him. He's a, a good blocker. Um, the the throw and runners thing out is so paramount too. But yeah. like, I just don't think that he does. I don't. I don't think he calls a very good game. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it's it's one of those things we talk about. There's so many aspects of the losses that you can look at. JP pitch calling was it? I mean, there's a lot of question marks. So that's where we'll continue to have to like take a deeper look at that. I know Yokobam, you're saying the difference is Saul Frank is all of the Philly is all of the Phillies lefties are patient hitters. Oh my gosh, I can read. The difference in Saul Frank is Words all the hard. Phillies lefties are patient hitters, which are the ones he faced, whereas the Phillies writers are all free swingers. Also a good point. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, that's something they have talked about is, you know, whether it's being patient or rushing timing. Yeah. Yeah, that's something we did see. This team has done well on first pitches statistically yeah. until they weren't. Well, so he, <laughs> the, the point to, to Saul Frank, I guess you're, you're correct. Harper and Stott are your two most patient hitters in yeah. the plate. And so they're both left-handed. But, well, so we talked about the merit of that first pitch swinging. Brandon Marsh mm -hmm. was ambushing pitches, and, and it, it worked out in his favor. Um, Nick Castellanos is always going to be that guy who is trying to ambush a first pitch. Kyle Schwarber yeah. is always going to be that guy who's trying to ambush a first pitch. What I need from the remainder of the group, Bryce Harper does a great job of it. Bryson Stott does a good job of it. Um, I think JT at times does a good job of it, mm -hmm. is I need a collection of at-bats that make the pitcher work. And so that's why when you have this home run mentality, you can have that as long as the supplemental guy, and I don't, Bryce Harper's not a supplemental guy. Let me... <laughs> Make that very clear. He's your best player. He might be one of the best players in baseball. Your supplemental guys, meaning Alec Bohm, meaning Brandon Marsh, meaning mm -hmm. Bryson Stott, those type of, of hitters, that's the, the that's the group that I need yes. to work counts because I know that Schwarber's going to free swing. I know that Castellanos Bingo. is going to free swing. Bingo. And that's where it it comes down to, in my opinion, when, when you're talking about at-bats, everybody can't look the same. And I, I feel like with the Phillies, that's something that when other teams have been game planning and we saw Arizona do a good job of this, they now can go into it expecting you're going to tweak for Harper, the you know, where you're throwing pitches and everybody else is going to just fall in line and have the same struggles because it's like one size fits all. And unfortunately, there's no differentiation between one batter to the next. Righty lefty doesn't even matter, in my opinion, fully, because you're going to get the same exact at bats throughout the Phillies batting order. So personally, that's why I do feel as you talk about small ball and, you know, trying to have some sort of adjustments. That's something I'd love for there to be a little bit less predictability sure. across the batting order for the Phillies. And I do feel like when you look at it, we can game after game after game, you see the same types of plays the same types of good and bad plays that are being made so yeah i it's a good point that that you guys are bringing up um i know hypothetical man's all saying a stark stat that the ball harper hit in the seventh was 107 off the bat he batted 763 with 15 home runs with that sort of exit velocity yeah, it is what he it did is. say it was like one tenth of a second off yeah. from from hitting that properly but that's what happens i mean it shouldn't even come down to this it shouldn't even have you know been a situation where we're relying on just the home run from harper in the seventh because there's plenty of other innings where the Phillies weren't able to do anything. Yeah. I mean, I go back to – people have been comparing this to 2011 when yeah. they lost to the Cardinals, right? Oh, gosh, And yeah. people always like to, to wax poetically about how Chase Utley hit the ball to the farthest part of the mm -hmm. park in the ninth inning. And if that ball's in left field or it's in right field, it's a tie ball game and blah, blah, blah. You lost the game one nothing. Yeah. You know, Roy Halladay pitched a gem. Yep. He gave up that first run, first inning run, and then he settled in and pitched a gem. And it, it's similar to this situation where I'm not going to sit here and say – well, if Bryce Harper only put that ball over the wall, 
I'm not going to hearken on one swing of the bat. And, you know, they keep talking about this one-tenth of a second thing. <laughs> hitting, a ba- so hitting a baseball is the hardest ob- uh, single action <laughs> in all of sports. It's no disrespect to anybody who plays any other sport. <laughs> Hockey's immensely hard. Uh, fighting combat sports immensely. Oh, they're all difficult in their own way. The single hardest thing to do in all of baseball is, in all of sports is to hit a baseball. And a tenth of a second, when you have a fraction of time to see ball out of hand, make the eye adjustment, like your brain shouldn't function at that speed, mm-hmm. a tenth of it, you're, you're cooked at a tenth yeah. of a second. Well, you know, the other part is, I know Neil's saying, similar to actually what you were talking about, Tyler, of, you know, the, the game, the pen lost, it was really just Kimberl was completely avoidable, but sometimes hitters just don't, they're not hitting. And hypothetical man saying the same thing. And I agree with that, but I... I find myself struggling with that for more than one game and, you know, inning after inning after inning. I don't know. What are your thoughts on – so when you're not hitting in, in game three, you're not doing well, you just continue that into game four, and you just hope that now all of a sudden you're going to be able to hit home runs? Yeah. There's I mean, nothing the, else? Th- there's only one change that I would have made, and, and it comes back to, you know, Alec Bohm hitting in the four hole. And, of course, he hits the home run in game seven, which is, you know, you think at the time is paramount to their success. The – Bang your head against the brick wall like the since you and I can both do this since we know the <laughs> reference. You know the SpongeBob scene where Eugene Krabs might know this one where Patrick <laughs> has a plank of wood on yes, his head yes. and he just keeps running into the door. That is the Phillies. Like that, yeah, I get that mindset, but I also have to feel like the only objective objective move that you could have made was to put JT Real Muto in the five hole and and move Alec Bohm down because otherwise. You didn't have any bench pieces, right? Edmundo Sosa wasn't going to come in and play. Garrett Stubbs wasn't going to come in and play. Jake Cave wasn't going to come in and play. Reese Hoskins wasn't available, obviously. So I I don't know what objective moves you make other than swapping JT and and Alec Bohm earlier in the series than what what you could have. Like, we talked about it after game six. Yeah, and You probably should have made the move after game three. Yeah, and honestly... The, with the way the series was going, even though the Phillies had won games one and two, Bohm had been kind of up and down. And after even game two, we were starting to have that conversation. And the Phillies had been winning at that point. So, yeah, I do – I don't know. I think, to me, the frustrating part is I'd love for – all of you guys that are agreeing with Tyler, that's great. But I still – I'm not for it. You know, it can't be a, oh, well, we just couldn't <laughs> hit today mentality, so we lost game seven or Thank, we lost Thanks game for six. agreeing, but you're wrong. I, I, I don't I can't stand that I cannot stand that because you can't tell me in nine innings there's no way you can make any adjustment of first of all there's Jake Cave is not is not the adjustment that I'm talking about because you need to also make sure and we'll talk about the roster in a little bit you need to make sure you've got somebody that can come in as a pinch hitter and, and be a little bit better than Jake Cave but also there's got to be a something there's got a lot of it better there's got to be something to allow you to keep innings alive get on on base and just get a hit to have Nick have one hit the entire series and that came in game one and then zeros the rest of the series and just say oh well that's Nick to me that's not acceptable I don't take I don't I cannot sleep well at night and settle for the fact that we're gonna just Walk out of the postseason and be done because, oh, we just couldn't hit today. They, this just, is going to eat at you for a long time. It is because it's in sports, you make adjustments. You sure. cannot oh, have I got the same you. thing over and over again. And to me, adjustments don't mean something radical of let's throw the whole team away or completely change the batting order. But to me, there's like, what is Kevin Long saying? You know, what, what conversations are you having about if you want to stick by the home run? What are you doing to hit home runs? What are you saying? And I'm not in those conversations. I don't know. But what I do know is they weren't hitting them. 
So clearly something did not change because we still have zeros. So I am all about like, when I talk about accountability, it's Tyler, you're not doing well today. I'm going to have a conversation with you sure. and make sure we can fix it. And we're going to try to fix it. And to me, it looked every at bat looked the exact same, which doesn't seem like a fix in my opinion. So that's where I'm struggling. Yeah. I, I'm I just struggling. I just don't know if those <laughs> conversations were had. I mean, I, my assumption is they had to have been on some level. And I think that too, uh, as professionals, yes, I agree with and you. And they're better than if, that, though, not to cut you off, but the Phillies are good enough that you should be able to make an adjustment and hit the ball. Fair. You cannot oh. tell me if Kevin Long is having conversations with these guys and, and he's talking to Trey, he's talking to Bryce, and he's talking to Bryson, nobody was able, nobody was able to get a hit. Yeah, I think that it's, I think that it's, it's a fair argument, like, and, and I think as professionals, too, like, even in our industry, if I had a bad, if I had a string of bad shows producing you guys, like you could have the conversation and you and Jamie could go, Hey Ty, you need to step your game up. But internally, I know that I need to set my game up or at least I should. Right. So as a, profe- as a professional, they do something to step your game up. And if not, you would continue, we'd continue to have the conversation with you. Correct. And, and, and so I, I have to, I have to give pause to these guys as professional hitters. It's again, it's, it's not easy to do and, and I, I know that I'm almost like scapegoating you know I'm, I'm like letting them off the hook and not scapegoating them basically I'm not letting them off the hook and, and I get it so it, it's <laughs> it's it's not something that just comes like I'm not saying this off the cuff hitting is hard hitting is really really and sometimes saying. every once in a while it is okay for all of us to sit here and say the Diamondbacks pitching was really good it was really good, especially in games five, six, and, or, uh, six and seven. It was really, really good. I think I struggle with that for an issue of, as you all are in agreement, and, and I agree you have an off day. We all have an off day at work sometimes. This is their job. They had an off day. But I'm, I'm struggling to figure out how everybody has an off day yeah. multiple times. I still go back to, if this is one game, I'm fine with it. They're not perfect. There's going to be a game where there's a drop-off. You've scored 10 runs, game two. I'm not expecting that to be the remainder of the series. There's going to be a drop-off. I think what keeps what I keep going back to, and I know, Barbara, you said Rob doesn't believe in adjustments, and Neil and Hypothetical Man are still sticking with Tyler, which is fine about hitting being hard, not pitching Kimbrel is easy. Agreed on that second part. But you cannot have these same issues and, and then continue to say, well, we just couldn't hit the ball today. Game three. Well, we just couldn't body <laughs> game four. Well, we and that's why you're at home. Oh, the way you describe you it that figure, way. Right. That's my concern. I don't mind it. And I agree. I actually do agree with you to an extent because one game or one inning makes sense. But four games that the Phillies could not hit the ball, and we're just gonna say, Oh, you know, hitting is hard, so maybe next year. I can't that's not a I don't no. That my my competitor mindset does not wrap my head around that of being okay that these are perf- these are professional athletes. Right. And you mean to tell me these grown-ass men that have been playing baseball <laughs> their entire lives can't figure out a way to hit the ball in one game? All they needed was one game. I get it. Between game six and seven, you're at I home. I get your frustrations. There's one game that we need you to be able to find a way to hit the ball. Yeah. They figured it out in game five. They figured it out in games one and two. What happened in the other four? Yeah, I had a Diamondbacks uh, a friend of mine who's a Diamondbacks fan texting me. He goes, hey, I just wanted to check in on you. I was following <laughs> your Twitter account last night. You good? No. Uh, no. Uh, you ready for this, by the way? I'm going to try this. Okay. I'm going to try as professionally as I can. <laughs> you know, hitting is difficult, Renee. You know what's not difficult? There you go, Using Tyler. the Game Time app. And, 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 and let me tell you, you guys have been talking about this Game Time app for a long time now. So I said, you know what? 
<laughs> I'm going to see. I'm going to put it to the test. I'm going to uh, help my mom out. My mom is not the most technically savvy person in the world. I love you, mom. But <laughs> she wanted to go see Queen. You guys have been talking about this for yes. a while. And I said, mom, you're not going to find them on the, you know, you're not going to find them at this point, except for with my friends at game time. And they helped us out. You use that code PHLY. You get the discount. You don't have to worry about it being last second. My mom just made the decision last second that she's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to see Queen. I love that. It's one of my favorite bands. Yes, Queen. Uh, I'm going to go see them. And uh, I said, Mom, use the Game Time app. Just get, I'll download it. I'll, just give me your information. <laughs> I'll download the app. I, I will get you these tickets because we were able to find her tickets quickly. She didn't have to stress about, you know, that they, they, they were been on sale for months. And because of that, she was able to go see one of her favorite bands. And she said, they were incredible Aww. and she had awesome seats so do me a favor download the game time app sign up you know get get the app create an account and use that promo code phly for twenty dollars off your first purchase on love game time. that nice tyler not bad. Great I, know, awesome. I could do better but not bad bring it here buddy there we go good start <laughs> that was <laughs> just great. one more to do. <laughs> um you know i think the uh, we're gonna move on from from the hitting woes and we we will move on this is again this is our we're trying to find closure here guys we're trying there is no Tyler. There's only Zuli, which for the longest time I, I really I promise thought was you, you. That's not me. I, I swear. I, the only reason you, I know that's not you is because you're sitting right here. here. I'm sitting but here. I'm not and, gonna and the lie. Thing I have in front there is of me no is Tyler. Phone. I'm assuming your last name is Zuli. Maybe I really thought that was you this I, entire I, you time. You know what I think it is. So from a previous life that Jamie and I and Coach uh, lived, there was uh, a couple of people that um, were on the, the the chats that when I was with our friends over there that were making accounts like this. Okay. And maybe after, after, yeah, after I was on a, a certain Yeah, it's, a certain it's quite show. catchy. Um, I, listen, I appreciate it. I would rather say that than like, <laughs> Tyler Zuli's a dirtball and I hate him. There's, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but you're, you're talking about the fact that Topper was very aggressive with pitching, but stubborn when it came to batting. That is also my issue. And I know um, WYRM139 was saying exactly, thank you, you for go. agreeing. Barbara, you're saying the hitting lulls went on this whole season. That is my issue. As there is no Tyler, there's only Zuli and Barbara are talking about. This was not a one-time thing. This wasn't a, a one-time oops. This was over and over and over again. It's like if I keep running out into traffic and getting hit by a car, I can't go back and say, oh, well, cars are fast. No, I have to stop <laughs> running out into traffic. This happened last year. as a terrible analogy for whatever reason. <laughs> Rip, I'm frogging out here. I'm running into traffic. There's no way that I'm going to keep saying, well, Cars are fast. No, I can't do that last postseason, all regular season, this postseason, and just say, nah, it's okay. So I, that's, I mean, listen, we're going to continue to talk about it on PHOI Phillies podcast. We do have shows all off season. I know people have been asking. This is not just a show for in season. We talk about the Phillies year round, five days a week with extra content. So we have much more to carve up and just talking about the offense, changes that can be made, hopefully some changes We'll see something being made as we get into the offseason, and we'll be talking about that too. Um, but I know we also have to get into the other side of just the reactions. I know Jack, welcome in. I see some other names that have popped in. Jack Maluski, you're saying if the Phillies pitchers shut down the Diamondbacks, we give credit to Phillies pitchers, or say the Diamondbacks hit or stink? Both, probably. That, that's that's why I've been that, <laughs> like I have been trying my absolute best to give the Diamondbacks credit where they they deserve it because. Again, Brandon. Someone has to throw it. You had a 20, <laughs> was he 25, 22, however old Brandon Fott is. You had a rookie come into a situation where his team was down two games to nothing in a series. Mm -hmm. And they said, good luck, kid. Yeah. And he performed. And then after that, they sent him back out there for a 
really good luck kid in a game seven in one of the most hostile (laughs) environments in all of baseball, if not all of sports. And the kid was great. I mean, upper 90s fastball with clear movement, good deception, good stuff. The kid was awesome. And when you were able to go from him to basically all you had to do was bridge for, what was it, five outs to get from your starter who was awesome to the back end of your bullpen – that was equally awesome. I mean, I have to I have to give this Diamondbacks team a ton of credit. I don't want to. I don't think you want to. I don't think any of us want to no. sit here and say the Phillies got outclassed and outperformed, but they did. I mean, they Someone really, is really did. pitching the ball for them to not be able to hit. So that's where I can't fully like I, I know I was I have been consistently saying that the Phillies have beat themselves because I still do think that they did. But oh, I disagree you, with you on that. I'm, I, 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 it wasn't I know until game feel. game seven was a game that the Diamondbacks completely took the reins. You know, I felt like games three and games four were decisions of putting Craig Kimbrell in. You know, I think there were decisions along the way that led to the Phillies' demise. But I do think, uh, Chrissy, you're saying ten runs in one game, two hits the next. Jack, you're saying the the biggest thing is great teams have more than one way to win games. Ding 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 ding. That's what I'm trying to say. You can be great at hitting home runs, but let's have more than one way to win and also be able to find ways to win when your plan a is not working neil i don't know you're saying 347 400 633 that's trey turner you're talking splits. about trey turner splits yeah. are the i mean we're not just talking about trey turner wanting to change his approach no, it's about all of them through the batting order i think him specifically to be. like the trey turner thing what the approach didn't change what changed was the diamondbacks approach to trey turner the and, diamondbacks made adjustments and, right and and that's where we get back to they got outclassed in that regard because of the fact that Trey Turner all of a sudden started swinging out of hand. And I've tweeted that a lot, and and um, I I don't mean to be disparaging to anybody, but I want to clarify my point. When I say out of hand, I don't mean like he was swinging like – without cause what I mean out of hand is like sometimes when your back's up against the wall you're looking for a certain pitch in a certain spot and you're just going to go attack it that usually happens with two strikes or with a pitcher that you feel like is overpowering like Johan Rojas swinging out of hand makes Mm -hmm. sense because he's looking for a spot to make contact Trey Turner swinging out of hand on sliders down and away because that's what fought through him that's what Ginkle threw him that's what Thompson threw him that's what the bullpen threw him in game uh what was it four or whatever it was, that's what changed. That's what started to frustrate me. The approach is is fine. The guy hit 350 and at one point was up over 500. What frustrated me was a, a lack of situational awareness, I guess, in, in some of his at-bats. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to uh, change your approach in life, you can also get some awesome sunglasses to do that because what better way to change it up than to rock some awesome shades? And Shady Rays has all types of eyewear and sunglasses. You can be on the slope skiing with some snow goggles. You can be laying by the pool with some sunglasses. So head over to Shady Rays because they have protection in all their eyewear as well that if you do lose them, you drop them, you break them. I've lost some Ray-Bans back in the day. Um, they will also r- replace them and help fix anything that's broken, getting you some new, a new pair. So now, if you guys head over, you can use that code PHOY. That gets you 50% off when you buy two or more polarized sunglasses. You can try some out for yourself. See for yourself. It is exclusively for our listeners using that code PHOY. We're giving you guys an amazing deal for the season. And also, if you don't believe us, you can believe the 250,000 people that have rated them five stars because the numbers don't lie. Well, numbers also don't lie for the bullpen, and that's the Phillies bullpen specifically that we're talking about now. Um, I know 
I think it was MBDBDBF or someone was saying. You've gotten really good at that. By I just the way. like to say MBDBDBF because I feel like it's like a it's like a cool little beat. They were like, um, yeah, you can just say MBD, and you're like, no, nope. no, it's MBDBDBF. Nope. I'm going the whole um, thing. Somebody was saying how um, they changed the back end. You don't have to scroll up. It's okay. I forget who it was, though. They changed the back end of their bullpen. The Phillies did not. Randy, you were also saying, Randy Rupard, that they adjusted to our approach. We didn't adjust to theirs. No, the, the Phillies absolutely, when you look at the bullpen, didn't make any adjustments um, that were great down the stretch. Now, Ranger did well. Zach did well. Aaron Nola, we saw crying. I got some heat because I said I, I don't like the fact that Aaron Nola was crying. I don't like the fact that Aaron Nola was crying. And I don't think there's there's no crying in sports. And I actually used to cry in sports. So I'm speaking I from experience. Know. I don't know. I cried my eyes out I when the Eagles to, won the every, Super Bowl. See, I didn't lose a lot. I was on teams like my soccer team was number one in the country at one point. Okay. We so won you, yeah. we won conference tournaments. We won at table tournament. Like I didn't lose a lot. So when I did lose, I was I was crying for sure. But that's why I say from experience, there's no crying in sports because What's the other Tom team Hanks doing? Tom would agree with you. What is the other team doing when they see you crying in the dugout? Yeah. If you're Arizona and you see Aaron Nola with tears trickling yeah, down. they're going to jump Again, grown-ass man. Tears trickling down. They're like, oh, we got him. I, I, it's over. I, um, you're salivating. Your eyes are lighting up seeing that. I don't think he's, he's in a no-win situation. Because yeah. if he is stoic in the press conference, <laughs> and like you said, you give the politically correct answer, and he goes, well, it was just a bad outing, and um, I'll do better next time. Yeah. People are going to go, what next time? There is no next time. You lost game six and now don't have an opportunity for next time. Yeah. If he is crying and emotional, then you're going to say, you know, hold it in or, 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 you know, bury it down or whatever. I don't think, um, I don't think he, he was in a no win spot in that yeah. particular situation. I think that there was a lot, the, the emotions probably were greater than just the game itself. Like he knows, Absolutely. he knows it was not just game six. Like there is a strong possibility that that was the last time that Aaron Nola took the mound for the Phillies. He knows that. So let me clarify because Eugene saying that's a rare L take by me. It's fine. I can't win them all guys. You know, it's it's all right. Embiid is tweeting Renee today, uh, Spiral Out saying, <laughs> as a Nola fan, hypothetical man, you're saying you were sad. I was sad for Aaron Nola. There's a difference. I'm not saying, like, toughen up, don't cry because you have no reason to be emotional. I'm saying just save your tears for, like, the car. Don't don't have them in the dugout. They're like that's the moment you fight back those tears. You try to you try to just like maybe don't smile because it wasn't a great game. But you fight back those tears and then you can be emotional as you want after the game. Cry all you want, lay on your couch, ball your eyes out. I'm all for that because yes, it is an emotional feeling as you talk about. It's not just game six. He's talking. He's, you're saying it. Randy's saying the same thing. It is the emotion of knowing you might not be pitching yep. in Philly ever again. I fully get that. I'm not inhumane i cry a lot guys and i sometimes cry watching hallmark movies but you know where i'm doing that on my couch by myself and had i not told you you would not have even known erin nola you save those tears for your for your missus you save those tears for your family you do that when you're not in the dugout so i am not saying like why how dare you cry i'm saying just don't cry in the dugout this is how renee wants the athletes to look at the top of the step <laughs> I want some. I want if you're winning. No, that's too much emotion. <laughs> Sorry, My, I had too much lip curl down. Which is, I'm a very emotional person, which is the full irony. I'm like not. Face. I'm like the least stoic, dry. I'm a very emotional person. You're gonna. I don't have a great poker face, but as a competitor, I just don't think you give. 
it's not just about crying. Your body language in general, never, you never show signs of defeat. I think, ever. I think body language and, and emotions can be different. I do. Um, it can be, and, but and I also think that, that two it, things that you don't show poorly. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the body language to me, like the slump shoulders, the sulking is different than the emotion that he had that particular game. I'm not, I'm not going to bash the guy for, for having a moment in the spotlight where he got caught having, you know, wearing his emotions on his sleeve. Like we, we're disagreeing again. Yeah, I'm sorry. This it's you, fine. You, you, I'm sure you can't wait it's for. Fine. I can't wait. I can't. You probably can't wait <laughs> like, for Jamie to get Jamie? back. Bring she's, Jamie back. She's on the phone. Jamie! Like, yo, Jamie, get get Jamie, back here now. Jamie, come back. No, I I agree. It's okay to be emotional in that moment. I think that's a moment you have a nice look. Even find a way so that we don't see you cry. If there are times, and I'm so guilty of this, where I I, I can feel the tears coming, and I don't care how much I try to fight them back, they're coming out one way or the other. Okay, maybe that's a moment. Not in your shirt, because that's super obvious. Maybe it's a moment you pretend you're tying your shoe. You bend down, you're tying your cleat, you're really crying, you're trying to wipe the tears away, and you come back <laughs> up. I just think there's a way to do it. I, I, I want to clarify, I feel bad for Aaron Nola. I'm sad for him. You know, his, his time in Philly has been great. We don't know how much longer he has, but I just think don't let us see you cry. Let me maybe that's what it is. I don't dislike the fact that he was crying. I dislike the fact we saw him crying. Okay. There are so many ways you can conceal tears. You can pretend to hug somebody so, and your backs to everybody else and you pretend like, oh yeah, we got this, and you're really bawling. I don't know. Conceal the tears. So that's if I it. if I have an emotional <laughs> moment while I'm working, um, I'm gonna walk away from you. Yeah, go to the bathroom. Okay. All you, right. you know, Honestly, hey, I got to go to the bathroom for a quick moment. I'll be right back. Cry, come back. See, but the, the issue—the issue is, I'm the ugliest crier in the history of the world. So if I leave and I come back and my eyes are all puffy, and I'm, I, you're gonna know, you're either gonna you're gonna go Tyler. What you, one of two? You just did one of two things. You either, you either just like blazed up in a bathroom real quick, or you were crying, and I I don't know and which one. And that's also it is. okay. But MBDBDBF is saying if you lost out on a two hundred million dollar contract. You too would be crying. That is fair. Um, yeah, I am. <laughs> Listen, what you guys are going to learn. It's metal to cry, okay? What you guys are going to learn <laughs> as we get into the offseason is I think I'm low-key probably the, like, biggest in this office. I might have the – I don't know how to word this properly without being offensive. No, you can go I ahead. might be the most, like – what's the word I'm looking for? Like ruthless person. Like I was playing ping pong with coach the other day and he was like, we're just playing for fun. And nope. I was like all into it. Like I'm, I'm probably the most savage. I, in said, I said to you, I'm glad that you didn't yeah, go to the me. union media day game. Yeah, Cause I me. feel like you would have ended up being, it is me. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm gonna talk trash. I'm gonna. It's true. Jack like, Jack beat me in wiffle ball one time. And he never <laughs> lets it go. I'm gonna. Yeah. Back, back in the backyard <laughs> of my shore house. And you cried? Uh, no, I didn't actually cry. But I'm not happy about it. I still yeah, think about it's, it. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And look, <laughs> losing money is tough. But when you go to DraftKings Sportsbook, you don't have to worry about losing money if you play your bets right because some of you guys don't know how to bet. But the good news is you can head over to DraftKings Sportsbook and get in on all the, let's, let's say football action. We're not talking about Major League Baseball playoffs, playoffs anymore. We're going to talk about the NFL action. And when you head over, you download the app and you can sign up using code PHOY and get in on the game day greatness. And with that, as a new customer, you can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you win five on the NFL. That's code PHOY only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting sports partner of the NFL. And the crown is yours. If you've got a gambling problem, you can call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net. In New York, call 877 
877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, you've got to be 21 or older. Age does vary by jurisdiction. It is void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 160 hours that's interesting. 168 hours after issuance, and you can see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for terms, eligibility, and deposit restrictions, as well as responsible gaming resources. So I am sorry, guys. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm tough. Don't let, don't let the fact that I'm the, the female on the show have you thinking differently. Uh, I do eat sawdust and nails for breakfast. Oh, I am the Triple H of the office. I will call you out. I was the, I was the person that in, in sports, forget trash talking. Like, you make a bad pass, I'd be like, good job. Do it again. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I don't mind telling you how it is. I can dish it. I can't always take it, but I can surely dish it. So I, that's where my whole thought process is with Nola. But uh, t I know we're, we are a little over time. Yeah. Hit that like button, comment. Um, I drink raw male tears at 4 a.m. in the morning. That's hilarious. So real, real quick, um, I, I believe in accountability. I, okay. don't know, I don't know how you feel about accountability because, I, because you, have no emo it. you have no, no emotion. No, You're no. stoic. I'm so like, I think accountability has got to be pretty high on your list, I would very, imagine. It's, it's up there. And Leadership I believe, and accountability. I, I believe in accountability and transparency and as and, as, as uh, much as I think I do a good job, sometimes I suck at my job, and I would be uh, I would be detrimental to all of us if I didn't tell you about our friends at Foco. Ah, um, because uh, I'm not even going to pretend like there's a cool uh, a cool segue. I'm just an idiot and forgot to do my job. <laughs> do better, uh, Tyler. But Foco is a leading better. manufacturer of sports and entertainment uh, merchandise, collectibles, novelty items, and so much more. Listen, we've used Foco quite a bit. You saw Renee in the uh, in the overalls, Jamie tried to wear the overalls yeah, he used time. them more as a beer holster than as actual <laughs> overalls but they work in multi-capacity and, and and you have uh you know a couple of different options uh i know that baseball season's over but football season is in full swing and it's tailgating season as well that means overalls hoodies hats sunglasses bags anything that you need for the game foco has you covered they've always got our back as philly sports fans and they will have yours as well. So get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items. Use promo code PHLY for 10% off. Yes, that was nice, Tyler. I tried. You know what? I, I, I believe We're in gonna accountability. We're going to keep practicing. You're going to be better. We'll, we'll get better. <laughs> be better, Tyler. Coach is getting ready um. to uh, call me into his office and give me the, uh, the hard news <laughs> that I'm getting sent back to AAA after this. And uh, we'll regroup in 14 days. There it is. Christy's saying that the, I'm going to have the staff running Oklahoma Jills in the break room. And <laughs> thank you, Barbara, for saying I rock. I did used to coach. It was a tough, it was really a tough balance uh, because I was like making my players do burpees and sprints and at all ages. Doesn't you, matter were, how were young you, like, you are. Were you like uh, Coach Carter where if you showed up late, you had to run like a thousand <laughs> oh, suicides? Oh, don't be late. And oh, 1,500 push-ups. I'm very big on accountability, rules. Oh, you know, good coaching. raising intensity because sure. you need that in life. You can't go through life just showing up when you want to show up or doing whatever you want to do. Um, I know we are running over time, so hopefully you guys can stick around with us for a couple more minutes because I just want to tap in on Taiwan Walker for a little bit, and then we'll wrap up and we'll talk about it much more. But Taiwan Walker, uh, we did – we have talked about him before because he's the only player on the Phillies roster that did not play this postseason. Yikes. Uh, listen, this is the tweet that Tyron Walker put out on Twitter. Disrespect at an all-time high. Hashtag next year. That did go out 2.04 in the morning. Oh, it's 2.05 p.m. right now. Would you look at that? So exactly about oh, 36 he, he hours ago and one minute not to be exact, but I hold myself accountable, that Taiwan Walker was tweeting out, disrespect at an all-time high, hashtag next year. Now, um, 
being the person that likes to hold someone accountable, being the, the major pain, as MBDBF is saying, you know, listen, Tywan Walker did not play. And we talked about it in our watch party. We've talked about it off the show. The veteran obviously has compiled a 15-6 record with a 438 ERA and his 31 starts during the regular season. He, We also saw him, of course, sign a nice four-year, $72 million contract last offseason. Come this postseason, though, we didn't see him at all, except yep. hanging out in the dugout, cheering on the Phillies. Chrissy, you're saying he has every reason to be upset. Tyler, your thoughts? I vehemently disagree. I don't <laughs> think there was a single situation in this entire postseason that called for Taiwan Walker to pitch any any kind of meaningful baseball. Um, the only time that I would have used Taiwan Walker, there's actually two times that I would have used Taiwan Walker in some semblance of of uh, him being on the mound, uh, was game three against the Braves when they scored 10 runs. Yes. And was game two against the Diamondbacks when they also scored 10 runs. Uh, Taiwan Walker's ERA this year is the storyline of over the wins. Like you can look at the 15 wins and say it kept you in games but it was a plus four ERA over the course of the entirety of the regular season. It was a plus five ERA after the All-Star break. And Renee, the one that stands out to me the most, his first inning numbers were putrid. A seven plus ERA in the first inning. And if you're not going to start Taiwan Walker, which was the plan because that was Christopher Sanchez's rightful spot to, to be on the, the mound for game four. If you're not going to start Taiwan Walker, I don't trust him to pitch an inning. Because I feel like I'm, he's going to give up a run. And it's no disrespect to Taiwan Walker. I'm just looking at this objectively and numerically. There wasn't a, there was not a single leverage spot in which Taiwan Walker deservedly should have been on the mound. Yeah. Well, Taiwan Walker not only tweeted that out, but then also was liking tweets. And uh, this is a list of some of the tweets that he was liking. Now, it's, it, it had people questioning, wondering, what does this really mean? We're reading between the lines. We're trying to figure out what is Taiwan really saying. He was liking tweets that were talking about comeback next year better and ready to win. We're going to run this back. But then he was also liking tweets saying, to me, you not pitching in the postseason was the true disrespect. Thank you for supporting your teammates. So it's a little oh, bit all over the place of the tweets he was teammate. liking. And if we're going to be tweet analysts, and that's what our role will be now, some <laughs> of these tweets that he's liking could make you wonder, was this tweet about Rob and him not playing? Or was this tweet about the fact that the Diamondbacks, as in that top comment, um, you know, a lot of guys, people with great expectations and are venting their frustrations. It'll settle down a bit. I know somebody else, Bridget Jaskill on that list was saying, guys, I think he's talking about the Diamondbacks disrespect of being in Philly with the flag in the outfield and such. Who knows what he's tweeting about? This is the beauty of Twitter. Uh, but <laughs> MBDBS is saying if only Walker could tweet a better <laughs> ERA. <laughs> but uh, it does make you wonder because it's, the likes are all over the place. Is yep. it about him? Is it not about him? Is it about the Diamondbacks? Who knows? Who knows? I just actually think when it comes to all this, there's a couple of things. As you mentioned, this I'm I'm not a big stats person because I've always felt like, especially playing soccer, probably is the main reason why I feel this way. Stats don't always paint the full picture. There's always more. They give you an idea, but without any context, stats are just stats. It's just numbers. And to see him with 15 wins, he was he had the most wins as a starting pitcher for the Phillies, yada, yep. yada, yada. But as you talk about his ERA in in especially after the all-star break, not good. And in the first inning, not good. But to me, what's confusing is Michael Lorenzen, not on the roster mm -hmm. for the wild card round, brought in, does get chances to pitch against Atlanta and, and Arizona. So to me, it's like as a, as a manager, as a coach, as, as a, you know, taking a step back, why is Lorenzen, who wasn't on the roster 
against Miami, bought in on the roster and gets a chance to pitch, yet Walker did not. Well, so I think it's almost like that hurts your your case of not giving him a chance because, as you mentioned, there were games. He could have at least gone out there as a relief, reliever. You're up 10. Put him out there. Why not? Rob was rotating especially in that Atlanta game, getting a lot of guys opportunities. Yeah. Why not at least give him an inning? So I think that the, the, the trickle down of like guys that you would give an inning to, he's still, even at that point is still at the bottom um, because even with him not pitching in game four, knowing likely knowing that it was going to be Christopher Sanchez in game four of an NLCS, I would have gone to Sanchez to, to get him on the mound before Walker. I, as they did, I would have gone to Kirk Herring. I would have gone to, um, I would have gone to Michael Lorenzen. And I think with Michael Lorenzen, he has relief experience. He's been a setup guy in the past. He's been a closer on bad teams in the past. He's come yeah. out. He's pitched out of the bullpen uh, much more recently and frequently than Taiwan Walker did. I don't. I just didn't see. He he didn't have any. There was no spot that he could have been used other in the other than in those two blowouts that I would have felt comfortable with him on the mound. And I get that, like you know, people are saying Orion gave up runs in big spots, and that's true. And having a guy who was in Double A at you know in August is tough to swallow when you know you're trying to win postseason games. But at least with with Orion, you have a guy who has bullpen experience, who has closer experience, and most importantly, Orion's stuff is tenfold Taiwan Walker stuff. He throws harder. He's got a better slider. There, there's no spot in my mind where Taiwan Walker should have pitched in the postseason. Yeah. Well, Carolyn, you actually came in late, it seems like. We're actually winding down the show here, but we had a fun time talking today. My last point on Taiwan Walker is why have him on the roster at all? If he's not even if you don't even feel comfortable putting him out there in you have two games that were blowouts. If he can't even get out there for an inning in those blowouts, why have him at all? You bring Lorenzen back, Lorenzen gets to pitch. Why doesn't and I'm not for this whole listen, if you guys have listened to anything I said this show, I am not for the participation trophy because you're on the roster, you get to play. Because I've definitely had my fair share of times as a player, as a coach, where I felt like or did not like when a player was just thrown out there just because. You have to earn it. Without a doubt. But don't put him on the roster then if, he, if he's not good enough. And I don't know that he was good enough. Um, I agree that he's not, when you look across the bullpen, not he's, he's bottom of the totem pole. But then I know somebody was saying in the chat, uh, bring somebody else in then. Bring, put somebody else on the roster. So we have more to get into. Clearly an hour is uh, not even enough. But this is why we're going to continue to have. partially my fault too. <laughs> This is why we're going to continue to have shows all offseason because there is plenty to talk about. We are, even though we're not talking about games anymore, we've got to continue carving up what we saw in the postseason, what we saw all season long. We're going to be giving um, our analysis of, of different positions, different players. So much more to come. And I hope that you guys are subscribing, liking, following uh, at PHLY underscore Phillies and at PHLY underscore sports and everything else because we've got a lot of fun things coming your way. Carolyn, hopefully you come back and have fun and you come back sooner and you enjoy the conversation. But we'll talk about more of these challenges, depth, everything is coming here on PHLY Phillies podcast. For Tyler Zuli, for Coach, I'm Renee Washington. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you back for more tomorrow live on our show here at 11 a.m. Eastern time. See you then. We all silly like the mayor.